0: So let's review a minute. Glory to God. Yes, that was a good, that was a, well, we'll talk about a minute because it actually, that kind of stuff is in this lesson. And so the title of number seven, which we watched the video last week, is Keys to Practically Releasing God's Presence. So this is the practical side. There's always a practical side. There's a spiritual side. There's the scripture side. There's the spiritual principle side. And we catch those spiritual principles. But there's always a practical side. There's always something uh, that we have to do, that we're supposed to do. And, And the key is not to become overly focused on one method of releasing God's presence. That was a method of releasing God's presence. Hallelujah! That was a method of releasing harvest. But we don't become focused on just one method. In other words, probably this time next year, we might not be shaking the tree. We might be doing something else. Because God will... uh, uh, Methods can change. And it's always the presence of God that empowers the method. So it was the word we heard. It was the word we heard. And the presence of God that was here Sunday that empowered uh the method and methods are subject to change even on a situational basis i mean we might have the same situation next year but still be uh shaking the tree uh, or doing something else besides shaking the tree anything we say or do must have faith attached to it do we even need to say that? But I wanted to say it. Anything we say or do, we must have faith attached to it. In other words, if somebody's not attaching faith and doesn't really believe that shaking the tree is going to make a difference, then it's not going to make a difference. Because it's if you believe... Hallelujah. And if you were inspired. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our faith is inspired by hearing. And so the Word that came forth Sunday morning during the offering inspired us to faith to to go and shake the tree. And shaking the tree caused something to happen. Hallelujah. And it was just, uh, okay, let's move on. Um, Nothing will work. Nothing will work when the faith is used up in it. You know, there's certain things we can do and we can use up the faith. In other words, it's like, well, I was used to be really inspired by that, but... I don't feel inspired today. You'll know if the faith is used up. There are songs that we used to sing that would just cause our faith to soar, And they're not that the songs aren't right, but they're just, not, they're just not full of faith for us right now. And that doesn't mean that songs can't come back. I think a lot of times in my prayer time, I get inspired and faith comes by an old song. I mean, even a hymn. And I'll sing, and I'll worship God with that. And it, it's just my faith is it's set on fire. It's the same with these sayings we put up. We have to change them. Because if we leave them up there, they quit inspiring faith. They just become, you know. But when we first hear that, because it's not just a saying. It's a word from the Holy Ghost. It's a word that God has given somebody in this church, or we've heard it from somebody else. And uh, just like uh, if you only knew uh, what I was about to do I was sitting in my living room I know where I was sitting I was kind of thinking oh God how much more can we take one of those kind of thinking not really depressed or, de- or discouraged but just God how much more and I heard the Lord say plain as day if you only knew what I was about to do well, that was getting a little tired. But the other day, me and Pam got re-inspired and re-in faith. I mean, we got we were just giddy. Oh, because we started saying to each other, "If you only knew what God was about to do for you." Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And so we got re-inspired. But when it quits bringing faith, it needs to come down. And God, we we need to ask God. God, give us a word to go on. Yeah. Give us a word. Um, Everything's turning out amazing. We walked on that word in this church for a year. Hallelujah. And some things started changing and some things have turned out amazing. One thing is the building got paid off. That's turned out amazing. You know, I'm pretty amazed. I don't know if y'all are, but I'm pretty amazed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. so we need to keep the focus always on Him, and then the acts or the words will be fresh or full of faith. Uh, nothing we do should ever distract from Him or His work or His Word. In other words, it shouldn't run contrary to the Word. It's not an act of faith. or uh, It's not if it runs contrary to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Breakthrough comes from obedience we're still reviewing. Breakthrough comes from obedience, but it also comes from adventure. It's it's good to obey God when he speaks, but sometimes I don't know that God necessarily said shake the tree or if Eric just went on an adventure and just went over there and shook it. I don't I really don't know. I I didn't ask him how it was, but we can go on an adventure and do something you know the they saying pastor uses. When's the last time you did something for the first time? Uh, you know um that that that's, that is a challenge to take an adventure in God to do something and uh, and see what God will will do. Um, number one, the first point under keys to practically releasing God's presence, and we covered this way, last week is power and authority. And uh, th- that is the basic key to understanding encounter. Is also the key to understanding when when God, Jesus said, "Go, go, go into all the world." You don't can't understand going to all the world f- completely unless you understand the fact that you've been given power and authority. So it's the basis of that. Uh, you so in in every encounter, every encounter God gives you is to 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 make you well uh, because they bless us they renew us encounters bless us they renew us personally but they're also designed that as impartations that w- that we release to others in other words when you have an encounter with God it's it's yours not only for you but it's yours to release to others uh, and I just am amazed oh this just makes me sometimes upset that people they don't they receive from God, and then they don't release it uh, in the form of testimony. Like today, we talked to a lady that used to go to the church in Coker. I mean, she came a very short while, not very long at all. And uh, I, I can't even remember her face. I remember her. I remember the name, but I don't remember the face. But she said, oh, yeah, last time we came, y'all were preaching on healing, or you were having healing school. That's what she said. You were having healing school, and my husband got healed, and my kids got healed. And it's like, uh, and where are you? And number two, why didn't anybody ever know until all that? Because it had been a long time since we did healing school. Yeah. Hallelujah. So it's like... Wh- we just don't have this revelation that the encounters we have and the healings we get, we're, we're supposed to be releasing this back to others and releasing it uh, into this body so that everyone can be encouraged that we're not all just sitting around. This is this is really working. This is really working, folks. Um, so um, as we seek encounters, keep that in mind, that they're not only for us to bless us, to renew us, to... Um, Get us to the next place. If you don't have encounters with God, you, ought, you will be one of those that backs up, backslides. Or if you're not backslid like completely, you'll at least be uh, just not full of fire anymore. And uh, if you don't have continual encounters with God, that is who you'll be. And so you have to seek God for these encounters with Him. And that means, you know, ask Him, get in a prayer time, get alone with God, and expect to have an encounter when you're alone with Him. Expect something to be given to you. Um, And remember, I remember this scripture as I was thinking about this. uh, They're designed to be impartations. Remember that scripture? I can't think where it's at, but where it says, No prophecy is of any private interpretation. I think it's in Peter if actually, if I'm not wrong about that, but uh might not be there. might be Timothy or something. Um, anyway, no prophecy is any private interpretation. The words God gives you, like when God said to me, he said, uh, "If you only knew what I'm about to do, that's not private for me. It's not a private interpretation.." When God gives a prophecy like that, or when if something happens in this room and somebody gets prophesied to to, and you think it fits you, it's not just for them. Take it. It's not of any private interpretation. If it's the Word of God and you need it, take it. Hallelujah. When God is releasing something in a meeting, whether it's to you or to others, uh, Bill Johnson calls it like when God something's being released into a meeting or into the atmosphere he calls that the splash zone uh, and um uh, he 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 says that what you do when something's released in a meeting even if it's not to you you ride the wave you get in on it get in on it hallelujah i think we're supposed to uh be far more aggressive in services church is not a passive sport it's not a spectator sport. You've heard that before. It's a get in there and get in the splash zone with whatever God's doing. I mean, if, God, if somebody calls Pam out and says, God's just about to heal uh, your leg, you, you ought to say, yeah, and he's going to heal me too and run right up there. But we just are far too dignified or something in church. Hallelujah. But God wants us to be actively going after those things. Uh, They say this. Bill said this about the splash zone. He said, if you're in proximity, in other words, if you're in this room, if you're in the atmosphere where his power is released, then you can ride the wave and encounter God. Somebody's up here laying in the floor laughing. Don't say, well, I wish laughing would happen to me. Come up here and lay down on the floor beside him, And laugh, yeah. And then uh, give a little ha-ha by faith, and it'll jump over on you. I think sometimes that's what we're afraid of, that it'll jump on us. And so somebody's up here laughing, we kind of go over in the back corner, and, you know, mm, hallelujah, especially if, you know, well, I wouldn't want to be a holy roller. Well, boy, I would. I would. I've been a holy roller in a Mark Brzee meeting in a community building in San Angelo, Texas. And I've been a holy roller in the prayer room at Word of Life. I remember one time we was praying with Miss Phyllis up there. And I mean, it was just on me. And I just said, I don't remember if Miss Phyllis was actually there that day. But it was her prayer group that we were praying in. And I said, I just feel like I'm supposed to roll. And they said, well, okay, do it. They believed in doing what you, you know, see yourself doing. And hallelujah. So, uh, and then we talked about last week about living between encounters. What about tomorrow? You had an encounter tonight, but what about tomorrow? When you, maybe the counters kind of even wore off, the anointing's lifted. Well, that's when we live in victory, but we live in victory between encounters because of one thing, and that's simple authority. When, you, when you're not feeling the encounter, you're not feeling the presence, you're not feeling uh, like, you're not feeling the anointing, then that's when we live by simple authority because we can release authority anytime. And that's what Jesus has commissioned us to do, yeah. and then number two, the point under uh uh the practical ways to release the presence of God was intentionally and this is still review intentionally releasing god's presence through words, and we find that in john six sixty three part b i'll go there or you can come or you can just wait till i get there john six sixty three Part B. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This was Jesus speaking and he said, The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But when we speak under the influence of the same Holy Spirit, then we too are releasing life. Either by repeating something God said to us, like if you only knew what I am about to do, then when we spoke it to you in church, it released life to you. And, uh, you know, it, the, everything's turning out amazing. I, I, if where that came from, I'll tell you. I, it was kind of a, it was, a, I was reading this these tips from a decorator. And she was talking about having confidence to redecorate your house and how, you know, some people are really, oh, I don't know what I like, oh, you know, and very unconfident about that. And she said, don't worry about it. Everything's going to turn out amazing. And when I read that, I was just like, whoom. And I said, and it just, it wasn't, when I heard it, I knew it wasn't talking, God wasn't speaking to me about decorating. He was speaking to me about everything's going to turn out amazing everything's turning out amazing and so when I got that and then it's released life to all of us so our words can be spirit and they can be life and who would have thought I bet if that little woman whoever wrote that tips on decorating never knew that her little counsel about just getting out there and be bold in that and everything will turn out amazing I bet she never thought that it would help take a city That it would help a church stay strong long enough to take a city. I hope she's a Christian because when she gets to heaven, she'll she'll find out about it. She'll get a reward. Amen. Amen. So um, when we speak under the influence of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus did, then we know. And we should have confidence in that we are releasing life. And words can release the supernatural. Now, if you want to make sure that your words are inspired by the Holy Spirit, you all you have to do is go here and speak this, and it'll be for sure that you're releasing life. But pretty much, if you are if you're speaking uh, um, positively and you have faith behind your words that what you're going then you are releasing life. Hallelujah. So words can release the supernatural. Intimacy with God changes the level of authority and anointing that we speak under. Hallelujah. It's our job to discern what the Father is saying and speak his words. We have to be listening. When we we listen to Father, Father, what are you saying? And then we release his words. And we do that in prayer. We're not supposed to be just praying off the top of our head, just something we heard, you know, back when we were, you know, Lord, we just pray for all those of whom it's our duty to pray for. You know, that's what we heard in our church. Or we heard the rope prayer. Uh, you know, you know when you heard a, you know when you've heard a rope prayer. You know when you've prayed one. That's not how we pray. We never pray that way anymore in this church. We only pray, Hallelujah, and we don't even. You don't have. When you start praying by the Spirit, you don't have to make complete sentences. That's why when you come to prayer, uh, you may just hear us say, uh, "We release life," or let me give him something more brief. Uh, Stop that in Jesus' name. We stop that. And you may go like, well, I don't even know what they're talking about. She didn't even make the whole sentence. She didn't know. What, we don't know what we're stopping. No, You don't have to make a whole sentence. You don't need to make a whole sentence. Quit wasting time when you're praying making whole sentences. Hear the word from the Lord. You don't have to say, now, Father, you, you know that we've been really under it this week. And, Father, you know that we really do believe you. And Lord, we just are—we just come to pray, and we've just come to beseech you. And we just, Father, we know you will answer our prayer. And Father, quit telling him stuff he knows. You are wasting your time, and that's just pure old religion. Hallelujah! I want to challenge you for the next week to just pray non-sentence prayers and pray a lot of one-word prayers. With Jesus' name. In in Jesus name. Okay. So uh, it's our job to discern what the Father is saying and speak his words. And when we do, the kingdom is affected and atmosphere is affected. The only time you need to speak in sentences if somebody's there that wouldn't understand and don't know how about that kind of praying then you would need to speak in a complete sentence. Otherwise, they're going to think you're an idiot. Um, but but so, and Jesus said that when he prayed one time. He said, Father, I'm just asking you this. Uh, I'm just saying this and asking you this prayer because, uh, for their sakes, so they can understand. But otherwise, he wouldn't even have been praying that way. Hallelujah. So we're growing up here, aren't we? When there's turmoil and unrest in the atmosphere... Speak and change it. When are you going to take authority at your workplace? Because you have it. Just the fact that you're there and you're an employee. It's like hallelujah. You have a right to abundant life no matter where you're at. And they do not have a right to put an unabundant life upon you. And so that's why you have a right to change the atmosphere. You have a right to be protected no matter where you're at i don't care if you work with 99 heathens and you're the only christian that you can you can take authority and have that place protected if they're saying we you know we're going under we're all going to die you you can be the one that says no and because you're there that ship won't sink but sometimes we too much let the atmosphere affect us. And it's real easy to get under their atmosphere real fast. And and to pull you down pretty fast. And so you have to keep your head above water at all times. And if you have to call for reinforcement, if it's that bad at work, then call somebody during the day and say, uh, Miss Debbie or Pastor, you got to speak with me over this situation. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Don't die and not call. You know, me and Pastor, that's what we're waiting around to do is to pastor. And while we're waiting around to pastor, we pray and address Christmas cards. I mean, but we'd rather be agreeing with something that's going to affect the city than addressing a Christmas card. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's our job to discern what the Father's saying. I said that already, didn't I? When you mess up the atmosphere with your words, yellow, clean up your own mess. That's the rules that, isn't that the rules at your house? Well, it might not be, but it ought to be the rules at your house. You make a mess, you clean it up. I mean, they're even teaching Laura Beth to try to clean up her own mess. They're, I mean, we start early. And this it's like, I'm not going to clean up your mess. Although I will say, Pastor cleans up my mess a lot. Because I am just messy now that I'm, I just like, it's like when I'm cooking is the messiest thing I do. Only second, uh, and, and when we get up from a table at a restaurant, Pastor, and I say, it looks like third graders hated <laughs> this table. It's just like, you know, gr And, you know, it's embarrassing. <laughs> And um, <laughs> you know he—he's. I have a chair I sit in, and he swept behind it last night, and he said, "I picked up a pen here, I picked up a pen there, a pen there. I have to keep a stash of pens just right there with me, so I'll have something to write with because it's." Just <laughs> just <laughs> hallelujah! But it—but you know we're supposed to clean up on our own mess, and I do still clean up a lot of my messes, but um, um. When we make a mess spiritually, when we mess up the atmosphere, we should we should do something to clean up the mess. In other words, well, first of all we should start repenting. We might need to even say, I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry I brought that up. I'm sorry I talked I'm sorry I said that. Boy, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. Y'all forgive me and I repent. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> clean up the atmosphere. You know, you bring up old sister so and so and you know. Talk about something you shouldn't. Number three, and this is new ground now. And this is practical ways to release the presence of God. Number three is intentionally releasing God's presence through actions. And John 5, 19, once again, Jesus is our model. John five nineteen. Now, you're going to have a lot of opportunities at Christmas. I guarantee you, everybody you're going to be with at Christmas is not going to be believing on the same level you are. They may be Christians, but they're not. So you're going to have opportunity to slip out the back door. Well, don't go out the back door because that will be where they're all smoking their cigarettes. Let's see. You slip in somewhere and y'all can laugh at that. (laughs) It was true anyway. Hallelujah. Um, You can slip in somewhere and you can start taking authority over anything. Because this is, uh, I I just have this in my heart. We're supposed to be having a spiritual Christmas. Not acting like this is just jingle bells and dashing through the snow and and Santa Claus is coming to town and presents. No, this is a spiritual holiday. Jesus was born. Well, actually, fixing to hand you out things Sunday, but we celebrate Jesus' birth. And it's a spiritual holiday. This is not like the 4th of July. This is not like. This is a spiritual holiday. And I'm telling you what. It's not easy to get there. Where, 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 but somehow you've got to take charge in your family. And bring it back to a spiritual place. And hopefully there's somebody besides you. And it may not be much that you can do. You may just have to start with getting them to pray a prayer over lunch. Instead of just getting up in the line and starting glomming it on, you know. <laughs> Say, no, we want to pray. And that'll shut a bunch of stuff down right there. That'll change the atmosphere. And everybody will get real, hallelujah, the ones that aren't used to praying. Hallelujah. No, we're going to pray. And at least you can thank God, that he, Jesus, that He came. Or something, but we got to start. Maybe you can make arrangements to read the Christmas story, or maybe you can you can do something to. You know, I was watching a a lady that I watch her blog. She's from San Antonio, and her and her husband are Jewish. They have two sons. One of them's a senior, and he's applied to twenty five colleges. I think I told you this, but he did get accepted into the honors college at uh, University of Alabama, and so I'm wanting to write her a comment and tell her that there's between seven and eight hundred jewish students at the university of alabama and i don't know if she knows that but anyway they're celebrating hanukkah right now and so she's showing part of it when they celebrate and everything and i'm thinking to myself as i watch this it's like y'all are more spiritual in your celebration of hanukkah than most christians are in their celebration of christmas and folks all they're celebrating. It's called the Festival of Lights. And they're celebrating that the oil didn't run out in the temple bunches of thousands of years ago. And it's like, that's not much to celebrate if you compare that we got a Savior. We got a King. We got delivered. They're still walking in darkness even though they're very sweet people. And I'm amazed at how their kids act more Christian than Christian kids act. They're clean cut. They're nice. They're polite. They're, you know. And I'm like, wow, y'all got it going on. And uh, uh, so, but they're being there. What they they had prayers. They had they sang for Hanukkah, and they do this for eight nights. And they get a few presents every night. Every the presents are spread out over eight nights, and they have special things to eat. Like the first night, they had. Uh, what are those called? Latkes, Latkes, potato pancakes, basically. Which are, my mother used to make potato pancakes and fry them up for supper after we had mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a potato fritter or something. Yeah, like a little bit like that. And, uh, and then they have jelly-filled donuts. That's a tradition of Hanukkah, is to have jelly-filled donuts. Hallelujah. But anyway, uh, they're spiritual about it. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm gonna. I don't want to be here uh, all night. Um, so J- John five nineteen says, uh, "Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So, wasn't only what." Jesus heard the Father say, But it's what he saw the Father do, and we have to keep our eyes open, anticipating being shown something. I think that's half the uh ha- you've won half the battle on receiving something from God when you just start anticipating that you are going to receive something from God, whether it be you're reading the word or when you pray you expect to see something. Uh, God wants to move always, always God wants to move. There is never nothing to pray about. You know what we see, what the Father's showing us, that's what we pray about. So we're praying, and I, you don't, if you get up from prayer and say, I didn't see any, well, okay, let's say you're praying for the nation, and you go, well, I didn't see anything. That's not true. I mean, you may not have saw it, but it's because you weren't looking because there is never nothing to pray about. Another, I'll say that a different way. There is always something for you to pray about. There is always an assignment from God. And when you pray for, what I do, how I pray for the nation a lot, I don't want to just go through the rote of Lord, help the president, help the cabinet help. You know, I don't want to go through that. It's good to pray and I mean everything and pleading the blood over the nation and stuff. Some things we do do repetitively. And why do we have to repeat that? Why can't we just plead the blood today and never do it again over our nation? Because uh, God, not only are God's mercies new every morning, uh, the devil thinks of a new plan every day. He plots a different plot every day. And so, but I, what I do is I see the United States. It's like I'm hovering above it, although I'm literally not. But in my mind, I'm hovering above it, and I'm just doing a scan. And you know where things are. You know where, just look at Washington. Look at New York. Look in places and see what you see. And do the same for Alabama. Look at the, and look check the border. Just in the spirit as you're praying. Just look at the, border of Alabama just see what you might see what and it, and if something pops in your mind you know just say let's just say you're praying and you're just scanning and all of a sudden you have the thought of a cruise ship and so or something like that well just go ahead and take care of that there's cruise ships parked down in Mobile Bay right now and you know take care of that and just you know begin to take care of whatever it is uh i know the last the lord told me a couple of weeks ago he said you pray for my stuff for the next 30 days and i'll take care of your stuff and so i'm uh uh, so when i started launching out to do that a lot of what god's had me doing is covering this county keeping it and i mean hallelujah we're not cover. i realize we're not covering it good enough you know there's a banks there's just you can just go. There's uh, there's there's uh, convenience stores that you could stop the robbery. You could stop bank robberies. Hallelujah, and everybody does the. Yeah, Kenny's all for that. He doesn't want one. There are several people uh, that connected to the church that we don't. You know, we can shut those down. We could shut those things down that happen in the mall parking lot, and in the mall, and in all the shopping centers, and the restaurants, and every school, and all three colleges. And uh, Hallelujah. So you do your scan and your part, whatever God brings to your mind, you're not responsible for what he doesn't show you or bring to your mind. But when you if you get up from prayer and say he didn't show me anything, well, you just didn't want to know because or something. So he will show you something to pray over. He wants you to do your part. He wants you to daycare, every daycare in town. Hallelujah. Every neighborhood. Glory to God! No break burglaries or break-ins in houses. We decree it, and we declare it right now. No, we shut down crime in Tuscaloosa County. Yeah. Let's just start doing it. We shut. We can. We shut down tornadoes this year. We did, we did it, Jesus. Jesus, through Jesus' name and the power of His name. But because we said we're just not going to do this again, we're not going to have this this year. We didn't have a warning that I know about. If we did, it was a small one. It certainly wasn't, you know. Anyway, okay, so uh, the author said, an author of some book, it wasn't Bill Johnson, but he said, uh, we move where God is blessing. So wherever God is moving, that's where we move. Wherever God's blessing. Every church in town, we just say right now, we'll never have a shooting in a church in Jesus' name. Not in Tuscaloosa County. And we just go and, you know, let's just get on that mosque down on uh, Bryant Drive. or It's not a mosque. It's a whatever. Cult, it's a Islamic cultural center or something. It don't say mosque on it, but basically that's what it is, I guess. But get on that thing. That we will not have ISIS in Tuscaloosa County. We will not have Al-Qaeda in Tuscaloosa County. And any plots of terrorism, we... That is being spoken of in that mosque or elsewhere, we cancel them now in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name. And hospitals, those need to be prayed over. And doctor's offices, dear Lord, we could spend all day every day, couldn't we? But if you do something and I do something and if we all do something every day, we'll get it covered. The hotels, my word, they're coming in everywhere for into hotels from, from everywhere. Hotels, and those people that work that night shift, they really wish you'd pray. Well, all shifts because it's not just limited to that, isn't it? Is it? And how about our Jewish congregation down here on uh, university? You know, anti Semitism is on the rise in America. And they don't know to cover themselves, maybe. Maybe they don't know they have authority. I know they don't know they have authority in Jesus' name. I'm sure they're praying prayers, but I really don't know what kind of prayers they pray. Uh, So, But we're talking here about, that's going back to words. I'm supposed to be talking about actions. To release God's presence through actions, you have to grasp the revelation that you have authority. Because if you don't know that you're doing it with your believer authority, it's not going to do anything. If you don't do an action by faith, it does not do anything. It's because of who we are in Christ that the prophetic act releases power. And that prophetic act can be anything from shaking the tree to anointing your house with oil. Or walking around your yard. Something to that effect. Uh, The credentials that we have to release God's power... We have one, we have the credential we have is the Holy Spirit. That's the only credential we need. Because we have the Holy Spirit. Remember over in Acts chapter one? The Holy Spirit is our credential that we have the power to do this. Hallelujah. Verse 8, 18. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So when the Holy when you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power. And that's our credentials. Somebody say, "Well, why can you do this because we have the Holy Ghost we, do. we have the power because we have the Holy Ghost. Keep your eyes open for places God is working. You go into the grocery store now, I want to say this in a different way because if you go and see because sometimes we 're expecting that if god 's working somebody's getting blessed. but if you walk in the grocery store and you have been in the you 've been a uh, a, a participator in God's presence, and you leave that place anointing, anointed. It's just as much. And somebody begins to have a demonic episode in the grocery store. You wouldn't say probably at first thought that that's God working, and it's not God causing the. Well, it is. It's God in you causing. But the purpose that that you're there at that time. And this power that's in you, the devil has recognized it and he starts manifesting is for you to set them free. Hallelujah. So we have to recognize where God's working, both in the positive, like, oh, you got near somebody and prayed for them and they started shaking. That's God working and we're blessed and they're blessed and we bless what God's doing. But this, it's kind of, you got to look at it right to see somebody having a demonic fit as a, um, as a God working. God's working through you. And the power in you has caused uh, this to happen. That's just like Jesus when he walked the streets. The power in him caused somebody to have a demonic episode. Well, what would he do? Come out in Jesus' name. That Gadarene demoniac went crazy when Jesus got out of that boat. Hallelujah. Three intentional ways you can release power through actions by an act of faith now an act of faith is doing something you could not do as a faith act that you are healed in other words it's praying and believing you received healing or getting prayed for and then somebody either telling you do something you couldn't do before that's an act of faith or it's like an act of faith could be sowing an offering after you've prayed for finances and say well I'm going to sow a seed because I believe so I'm doing an act of faith Okay, or then there's the prophetic act, which is a little different uh and uh the prophetic act was like shaking the tree. Jesus uh told the blind man to go wash in the pool of Siloam that could be considered a prophetic act. It's kind of hard to tell between an act of faith and a prophetic act, but if you kind of study it, you'll see the you'll see the difference. And then the third t- kind of, of 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 act that releases God's faith is touch, and that's when we lay hands on someone. And it doesn't have to be laying hands on their head. It doesn't have to be laying hands on their shoulder. I know Jesus went in and Peter's mother-in-law. It says he uh, he touched her hand. He touched her hand. So uh, this touch, Hebrews six one and two. Let's read. I'll read there to you. You don't have to go. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 talks about the laying on of hands. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Now, some versions say in verse 1, say the elementary principles. So laying on of hands, that's what you're that's that's right after salvation. Pastor says we're uh what did he call that? Christianity one oh one. It's it's kinda interesting because most people don't get this in one oh one, but right here, Ephesians. I mean Hebrews six, one and two are Christianity one oh one, right after. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And through the uh, laying on of hands, the Bible shows the laying on of hands for healing, for impartation, for deliverance, and for commissioning. So it can be any, the laying on of hands is used for more than just healing is the point. For impartation, for deliverance, for commissioning. Number four, unintentional ways of releasing his presence. Now we find that in Acts 5.15. You're familiar with this. I know we like to turn, but sometimes we just have to move fast. insomuch much that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and, t- to- and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. This is unintentionally releasing the presence of God. In other words, Peter didn't plan this. Peter uh, uh it was unintentional on Peter's part but it was a result it was unintentional but it was a result of the Peter being in God's presence and God's presence so saturating him and overshadowing him that when he went out not even knowing how much he was the the presence of god was oozing out of him or flowing out of him he didn't know that but it was so much so that it was and it wasn't just the dark spot where where it didn't have anything really to do with shadow it was proximity it was between peter and the length of his shadow if the shadow was on this side of the road the people on this side of the road were we're probably getting it, too, because it was probably more proximity than it was the shadow. But it was a length. Uh, 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 that far away is how far the anointing was coming out. That can be a goal for us, can it? That when we go in Walmart, they're slain in the spirit three in two aisles. Not the one you're and one over and one over. Hallelujah. Three aisles. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because you're so being, you're so saturated with the Holy Ghost. So, although unintentional, Peter's time in God's presence did affect this. I was reminded of that scripture that says that if you go into the secret place, then God will reward you openly. And that's exactly what happened to Peter. He spent time in God's presence secretly, God rewarded him openly and publicly. Because it is a reward when people start getting blessed just because you walk down. Don't think you won't be happy about it. Not because it will make you a rock star. Hallelujah. But because you'll be so blessed that people are getting helped. We must be flexible with how God wants to use us. It might be different than how God uses me. So let's be flexible. Let's be presence driven. And we just like, boy, if God does something unusual, we say, wow, that's cool. You know, we don't like, oh, no, it's, if it doesn't do if it's not, hallelujah. Compassion uh, is uh, another way, that re- thing that releases the presence of God. And this is not an act of compassion, not you doing something nice for somebody, but a posture of the heart. And this is when you are uh you all of a sudden compassion wells up in you when compassion wells up in you we're supposed to act on it we're supposed to do something because when compassion when supernatural compassion wells up in you for somebody you don't even know or you know it's it's not like oh god don't you feel sorry for him i mean not to god but oh to your you know oh i feel so sorry for him if compassion wells up into in you god's doing something That's a move of the spirit inside of you. So act on it. Being willing to love people. Uh, The mission field is has so many miracles because compassion is colliding with desperation. We don't see as much in America as the mission field. And it's not because of God. It's just one thing. It's their people are not desperate enough. But they're going to get more desperate. Because, uh, you know, it's just that things are changing in what your Blue Cross would pay for. You know, I was thinking about Eric and the little scan that he said was $300 copay. And I thought, prior to about five years ago, there'd been no charge if you had Blue Cross. And we're seeing that on everything that you go to the doctor for, and especially people that are on Medicare and Medicaid, they're seeing they're seeing not getting the care they need already, and it's not going to get better if unless we have God step in and do something. Another way God's presence is released in a in a non-planned way or uh, unintentionally is clothing, and that's uh, Jesus's garment. When they touch Jesus' garment. And Jesus had never taught a series on that, or he had never taught on that. And on also when people, uh, Paul's handkerchief, when this was something he had on his body, and Bill pointed out that he probably didn't say. He might have. He might, somebody might have said, well, my aunt is sick over there. And he might have said, well, here. And handed her a handkerchief. But it might have been that somebody just walked up and got brave and said, Can I have your headband? Like he And Bill pointed that out. Number five. This is point number five uh, of how the presence is released. And this goes to worship. Worship changes the atmosphere. Worship changes the atmosphere. Let me see if I want to read this scripture real quick. It's right here. In verse 11 of Acts 2, it says, Crete's. And Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. When we praise God, we are, our praise speaks of the wonderful works of God. And as we praise, it transforms the atmosphere. Now, we don't worship God to get something. The only thing we worship God, when we worship God, what we want to get is Him. That's all we want to get. We're not saying, well, if I worship him, I might get healed. Or if I worship him, no, we worship him to get him. And uh uh the word I'm going to release a word to you tonight that you may not have ever used in connection to worship, but I believe this is what God's calling us to, and the word is lavish. God is calling us to lavish our worship upon him, our praise upon him because He deserves. And so let's let's spend the rest of the year just lavishing the Lord with praise and with worship. He inhabits our praises. The praises, uh, when the presence of God comes, because He inhabits our praises, it changes our environment. The atmosphere shifts, not only in our church. And we see that happen. And we see that happen. You know, we come to prayer on Sunday morning at 930. And, you know, you come in. And this is with every service. You come in at one level. And if you've been praying at home, if you've been working all day, you might come in and you're about, you feel like you're about floor level. But if you've been praying at home, you've had some time off, you might come in and you're at one level. But the purpose of prayer is to shift the atmosphere and take us up to another level so that when Kenny steps to the piano, we're up here starting. We're starting here because if we're going to go to a certain place, the higher we start, the further we'll be able to go during the service. And so that's why, uh, we just, we, that's our purpose. That's what we want to do. And so, um, it transforms the atmosphere. It shifts the atmosphere. Darkness is confronted. This is not usually a place where you encounter darkness, but, darkness in our in the city is confronted the kingdom of God is affected and the kingdom of God begins to work not only in us and in our service but out in the atmosphere of our city and then in this room you know you may think well this is just a room and this is not anything and and uh certainly we are the temple of God but there is a presence that lingers in a place There's a presence that lingers, and that's why we want to guard this room. Because when we came here, we had prayed on Monday night for a long time in Coker. And when we came over here in 2012, we kept up that praying on Monday night. And, but we noticed immediately that it was easier here. It was easier in this room, and it was there was a portal. and in In the 2012, the latter part of 2012 and 2013, we realized that this may look like a wall, but in the spirit, it's books, it's shelves. And we spent time in prayer stocking the shelves with body parts. I know you remember that. This is a special place, and so, um, hallelujah. Uh, that's why we put up the no texting. And I know that gets violated all the time, but let me just say this right here, okay? No texting, no games, calling people in here. There's there's other places in the church you can go or you can step outside if you need to call or return text or whatever. They, and it's like, dear Lord in heaven, inform your friends and your family that you go to church. I mean, get a clue, family. Get a clue. And... uh. <laughs> Hallelujah. That might be a step that if you just let them know you're Christian and you go to church. I, uh, some of them don't know that. And uh but we put that sign up but people violate that. And it's like, "Why?" Because you don't understand the anointing and you don't understand. So, we're starting to understand though. So, but we're leaders. Now, if little Timmy has never been to church, he comes in, he's you know, he's Senior in high school, and he's texting and playing video games and popping bubble gum. God don't care. Don't bother the anointing, and if me and pastor, don't bother us either. He could put his feet up on the chairs, on the back of the chair, slink down in his seat and pop bubble gum. But if he's, if but if but leaders, God, you know, too much is given, much is required. And so we have to grow up. We have to learn to respect a certain... We've gotten too casual in the body of Christ, along with casual dress. And, of course, we're not very casual here, but you know what I'm saying. Along with casual dress out there comes a lot of stuff. I mean, just even in the church that we had rented out, it was like there was no respect for anything. They didn't respect. They didn't see anything as anointed. And they didn't see it as God's house or, you know, we need to teach our children those things. Um, We keep our conversation. We have to, we are free. The Bible says uh, we've been set free. But we're only free, we have to keep our freedom under restraint. In other words, we use self-control. And I, I just, you know, we keep freedom under restraint. I'm free to go buy a gun and shoot up the convenience store next door. I'm free to do it. I've been set free. But if I don't restrain my freedom, I'm going to be locked up and not free for a long time. And uh, in this, that's the same in the spirit realm. God has set us free. And He, we're going to be saved. And He's going to love us no matter what we do. But if I restrain my freedom... I'll be happier and everybody else will be happier and we'll have more. So uh this room is set apart. It's a portal. It's a it's there's an atmosphere in this room. We've got the rest of the church uh do what you need to do. Hallelujah. Under restraint. I mean, you know, we're not we're not going back there. Uh well, I'm not even going to talk about. It. The Bible says not to even mention the things the wicked do. Hallelujah. We don't do those things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we we nearly finished on time. Pastor, I'm going to pray for y'all. Father, we come before you. Lord, we've been put here for such a time as this. Thank you for equipping us. We ask you to further equip us. Give us understanding about how to carry the anointing. Lord, how to release the anointing. Show us individually and in in particularly our particular way for each one of us that, that we can release more anointing. Lord, we, hallelujah, we want to affect our city. Give us a plan. We want to change our city so that it is a God city. It is a freedom outpost. It's a place where people can come and be safe not a place for sinners to hide but a place for sinners to get saved and lord we just we ask you to show us we ask you to give us a bigger voice we ask you to help us to be uh have more authority carry more authority and more anointing everywhere we go oh father unite us together as one let us be one voice Father, let one put a thousand to flight and two ten thousand as we pray together as we worship together, Lord, as we rejoice together, and Father, even as we have God parties together and enjoy fellowship, Lord God, let our fellowship this Christmas be christ centered help us to a Lord time is short, help us to not let our family go to hell because we didn't pray, we didn't bring Christ into our Christmas. Oh, Father, show us how. Give us the courage. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we, we're just counting on you. Lord, we, we need the plan for 2016. We need to know what, what we're supposed to do. And I know you said we'd carry on with the three things you gave us. But, Father, we ask you for the, the rest of the plan the next part of the plan. Uh, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I thank you that every person in this room and those that weren't able to be here tonight, but they're a part of this church, Lord, that they would have a significant part in 2016 and things that would be hidden will come to light. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Right at the end, the Lord showed me that star over your head, what it was. Man, here's what the Lord showed me about that star. He said, you know, in the Christmas story, the wise men came to the star, and the Lord said, that there's a star over your head and men are going to start coming to you. They're going to start coming to you. They're going to come to you for help. They're going to come to you. And they're, not, they're going to come to you. They don't even know why they come to you. Sometimes they're not even going to know they're coming for help. God knows they need help better than they know they need help, but they're going to come to you because there's a star hanging over you. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I thought of that. Thank you, peace. Glory to God. And if I didn't have a word for you, well.